Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Be Better Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Perkins. Today's episode is called Be Better With Your Faith, Part 1. I want to do a two-part series on this to get the message out into the universe about faith. Right now, we are in troubling times, and uh, listening to this message can help you establish a faith background or reignite your faith background. The mission of the Be Better Podcast is simple. It's for people to think about life deeper. All right, I have a special guest, my pastor, and that's Pastor Aaron Byram from CCV. CCV stands for Christ Church of the Valley, and our location is in the Verado community here in Buckeye, Arizona. Pastor, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Dr. Perkins? Very good. Very good. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate this. All right, yeah, let's thank, start with Thank the... you so much for having me on. <laughs> you are welcome. All right, here we go with the first million dollar question. Will you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself before becoming a pastor? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. I, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, in the Maryville area. Went to Deer Valley High School. So my mom decided to move us to the north side of town. Uh, after going to Deer Valley High School, I met my high school sweetheart, Tracy. Uh, who has been my wife for 25 years. She was actually in the Maryville area herself. She went to Trevor Brown High School. Our moms worked together. That's how we got together. But shortly after meeting Tracy, I knew that we wanted to really build our life upon faith. And so we decided to attend the church that was in my high school in 1996, and that was Christ Church of the Valley. So got introduced to Christ Church of the Valley started going there, uh, decided that early on I wanted to be a banker. So I got into the banking industry, didn't, didn't love banking so much, but I had an aunt that worked for an insurance company. That was a Hartford insurance, started working there. And I slowly became a indemnity adjuster for property and casualty claims. Started taking care of folks that uh, lost their house, lost their businesses, and really just learned how to walk people through crisis. So I did that for about 15 years, and then I had some friends that owned and operated a restoration company, a fire and water restoration company, and they asked me to come and help them build their business, and I did that. So went from kind of restoring people's homes uh, and, and just their lives and started helping people rebuild it. So started doing that and did that for about five years, uh, then we had a little tragic accident one of the business partners tragically passed away and so that started kind of the really the the path to me going into ministry i started to feel a calling into ministry and and uh so a, a, along with my wife i've got three beautiful kids i've got a son named austin who's 23 a daughter ashley who's 22 she's actually getting married this november and then I've got my youngest daughter is Addison, and she is 18. Awesome, awesome. You can see, uh, you can see uh, for, for me, the, the path was, was interesting in the sense that I started helping people restore their homes and restore uh, the things that they'd lost, and whether, whether it was crisis of fire or water, and then I started helping them rebuild it back. People often ask me, what does restoration have to do with the church, but it, it's actually really similar in the sense that I am now helping re people restore their lives. Exactly. 
There you go. Very good. What inspired you to become a pastor? You know, as, as I was working in the restoration industry, I was able to really mix my, my faith and just helping other men and women just learn more about Jesus Christ. Um, just, just not so much in talking about uh, Jesus to them constantly, but just showing them maybe a, a little bit of what Jesus's leadership looked like, which was servant leadership. Uh, I, I noticed that when I was in the restoration industry, the more and more money that I made and the more successful I became, I found that there was a little bit of a, of a hole. There was, there was a lacking discontentment and, and a lacking fulfillment. And although I was fully engaged with the church and serving, I was serving in our students' ministry, I just noticed a pull more and more of what I was doing on a daily basis with our students and in our ministry to want to have a little bit more fulfillment in my life than just selling products and, and then rebuilding people's homes. And so I ultimately continued to just listen to God's call in my life and had a couple gentlemen at the church who really spoke into my life saying that I would be a great pastor and ultimately went down the path for training and, and stepped into that role as a pastor. And really what it was, Dr. Perkins, was just that lack of contentment in, in the marketplace. I just noticed that it, it, the, the, the bucket got bigger and bigger when it came to discontentment. There you go. That's a great, uh, you followed your calling. You had that burning mm -hmm. desire and you followed it. What is great about your position and what's a struggle in your position? Well, what's, <laughs> this is fun. Uh, what's great about the position is the people. What's a struggle with the position is the people. What I mean by, by that is it's, it's incredible just to be able to interact and meet with people on a daily basis, meeting them in, in, their, in their life and, and in the areas of their life that there is need. Um, there's, there's a great need for people to feel really what I felt, contentment. And I think we all have a, uh, a hole in our heart that can only be filled by Jesus. And it's great to be able to help connect people to that. I love the people that I get to work with. I love the people that we get to serve. But with that also comes people. And because we are people, we're messy. And so sometimes it's, it's difficult to walk people through and it's not even just the person. It could be their challenging circumstances. It can be dire situations that we find these folks in. And so that, that can be really, really difficult. I also find it difficult that there is some times where in, in business, when you would sell your product, you would have an end to that product. You would see the project from the start to the finish. And at the end, you often got a check and you've got a review and somebody would tell you, hey, you did a great job. Here's a certificate of satisfaction. The reality is in the church business, there is no end. Uh, we may see somebody start to take incredible steps towards their faith, but we may not actually see them be able to finish out their faith walk. And so there's, a, there's sometimes a difficulty to not seeing the close to that process. They may move away. They, they may go to another church. And I think that's somewhat difficult as well. If you could be one person in the Bible, which person would that be? Wow, what a great question. I, I think I relate really a lot to Nehemiah. Nehemiah was one of the, the prophets and, and gentlemen that had a really great job. He was a cupbearer for the king of Egypt, so he was kind of second in line. He basically was able to, to really have a lot of power and a lot of access to everything, but he felt a calling in his life to go and rebuild 
the walls in Jerusalem. And so I can kind of relate to that in my own story. I had a great job, no issues. I worked with wonderful people, but I did feel this calling. But that's a that's a really interesting question because I think there's so many characters in the Bible that you would love to be able to see the things that they got to see. Moses parted the the Red Sea. Uh, there's 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 people like Noah who was really him and his family were the only humans in existence after a great flood. That would be great to see. But I think if I really had to answer that question outside of being able to rain fire down like Elijah, I would say probably Peter. Peter is often characterized as, as the disciple that often spoke too soon, was rebuked constantly by Jesus all of the time. And I find myself often speaking too soon, not keeping my mouth shut. But he also got a first hand to see what Jesus did. And I think that would be someone that I would really want to be close to Jesus in, in the midst of everything that he was experiencing. And I love Peter's story because at the end, even though Jesus was rebuking Peter, he also brought him back to restoration in private and then ultimately publicly praised Peter for his work. So I think that's who it would be. Awesome. These next two questions hit on parables in the Bible. Uh, the first one's really uh, near and dear to me. As uh, my dad called me up once and said, hey, Anthony, are you a, a sheep or a goat? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Just out of the mm. blue, are you sheep or goat? And then I'm like, okay, dad, stop playing. And one more time, are you a sheep or a goat? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And he quasi explained it to me. And then he said, I want you to do the research. And then when we talk next time, uh, you tell me who you are. So uh, I'm going to read a little bit for the audience sake. I know you know this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through uh, 46 discusses the sheep and goat parable. This is profound for me, as I, as I told everyone, as uh, my dad stated this to me before he passed away. Uh, the sheep are people that follow Christ and practice good character traits, and the goats are the opposite. Upon the Son of Man's return, he will separate them and return to the kingdom only with the sheep people. Can you please share with the audience in today's world what makes a person a sheep? Absolutely. You know, the great thing about Jesus is, is Jesus came and did everything that needed to be done for us to have the opportunity to have eternal hope and salvation. And the sheep, obviously, as you referenced, is really the people that choose to follow Jesus. And it's super simple. There, there isn't this incredible equation that has to take place when it comes to Jesus. You simply just have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and everything else has been done. And what Jesus is asking you to do is to follow him, to help him make his disciples. That's one of his commandments. You know, uh, it's called the Great Commission, really. It's to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But really what you have to do to be a sheep in today's world is just accept Jesus Christ and the free gift of salvation that he's given you. It's, here's the reality. There is no perfect person that's ever walked this earth except Jesus. You make mistakes, I make mistakes, and surely we're going to continue to make mistakes. So Jesus is not calling us to a life of perfection. What he's asking us is just to grow, to continue to grow in him. Matter of fact, I'm just reminded of Jesus in, in my reading this morning. And in John 15, it talks about the fact that he is divine. And apart from him, we can't have what we need. And that's really what he's asking us to do is simply accept the free gift of salvation that he's given us. And then just continue to follow him and stay connected to him. That's really what that parable means. Very good. The second, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, discusses the talent parable. Can you please share with the audience what that means? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I think parables are fun because there there's always a deeper meaning to the parable, similar to a riddle, right? But with the parables, there's there's a couple things that are taking place, Dr. Perkins. The first thing that's taking place is there's somebody always represented in the story as God. And then there's somebody always represented in the story as ourselves. And we ultimately have to de- decide who is what. In this parable, what we see here is there's a there's a gentleman that goes away on a long journey. He's called the master. And in this case, that's Jesus. Jesus came and then he's gone away and he's going to return when he's ready to establish his kingdom. That's really what we're, we're seeing in this, this parable here. The talents and the, and the servants, the talent is something that is, is considered to be something extremely valuable. Matter of fact, when you research it, one talent is equivalent to about 16 years worth of labor. So in, in, in terms of, of value, that's, that's a significant amount of money. So to kind of talk through that a little bit, one of the gentlemen is given five talents. One of the gentlemen is given two talents. One of the gentlemen is given one talent. And the master's going away for some time, and he says, hey, I'd love for you guys to take care of these talents based upon the, the skill sets that I know you have. So the first one he gives the five, second one two, and then the last one the one. And he's not suggesting that that they – are going to do something inappropriate with him. He's suggesting and knowing that based upon what they're going to do, they should be able to handle these talents appropriately. So the first gentleman takes his talents and he doubles it. He gets 100% of his return. Same thing is, is true for the second gentleman. And both of them receive something that, that we all are looking for in our lives is words of affirmation. And the the master, when he returns, he says, hey, thank you so much for doing this. You've been a good and faithful servant. That's something that we long to hear as Christians, knowing that we're ultimately given opportunities to take care. And these talents not only represent just years of wages, but for us in the story, it represents our our treasures that we have, the things that we make. So it's our, 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 our money. It's also our time. And it's also really the ability to whether it's leadership or whether it's teaching, whatever our gifts are, God's asking us to use them wisely. Well, the last servant decides to, instead of go get a return on the money, he's somewhat greedy with the talent that he's given, and he doesn't really decide to do anything with it, and he just buries it in the backyard. And honestly, it, it makes the, the master really, really disappointed, actually makes him sick to his stomach because he decided to do nothing with it. So when you think in terms of this, this parable, what we see is Jesus is the master, we are the servants. We've been given incredible gifts. We've been given the opportunity to, to teach and reach others. We've been given the opportunity to serve others. And I, I, love, I love the servant mindset because Jesus really came to serve us. Matter of fact, Mark 10, 45 tells us that, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to many so when you think about that, if, if Jesus is the example of leadership and, and servancy, then we really should use our talents, whether it's, again, our treasures, our time, or even just the ability to go and teach. And so that's really what this parable is about, is making sure that we've, we're, we're stewarding the things that God has given us and just making sure that we're, we're using them to his glory. And that's ultimately what the, the parable is about. Thank you for sharing that. What Bible would you recommend uh, that is simple to read? My brother recently uh, had challenged me to read parts of the Bible. And when I jumped into it, I immediately became 
uh, frustrated <laughs> as it was written in a different time. So is there mm -hmm. like a simple, easy to read type Bible where you can grasp the content? Indeed, there, there's, there's, many, there's many versions of the Bible. None of them lose their translation, but some of them add a little bit of color and life to really bring the story to life. The, the Bible was written in three different languages, so obviously there has to be a translation process for us to understand. Most people that, that understand the Bible probably understand their King James Version. That would be the early English version. It uses a lot of language that we just don't use today. We don't use thou, art, things like that. So really there, there are a couple options that you have. The, the, the first one I would say is the New International Version. It's the NIV. It's a, it's a version that's a little bit easier to understand. It's a little bit easier to, to really have a, a process of, of understanding the content and, and just getting to the point where you understand that thou and art is, is no longer in there. It's just bringing color. And another great version would be the English Standard Version. It's, it's another version that also just sticks true to the language of, of English specifically. And then I think another one is the New Living Translation. Uh, translation. It's the NLT version. Those are three versions that you can really find. There's a there's a wonderful doctor, uh, Eugene Patterson, who wrote the Message version of the Bible. It's really really brought to color. It it takes some, I wouldn't say the word liberties, but it does. He uses liberties in the sense that he he brings a little bit more explanation. And it's there's there's no loss of translation, but it really brings to color and life what the person was probably feeling and what they really meant. And so that that is the message version of the Bible. What advice would you share with someone who really wants to dive into a faith based life, but is hesitant? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think when you think about that question, there's a few things that come to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is people that are often hesitant because of maybe what they've heard, maybe what they've seen, and maybe even people who proclaim faith have maybe, maybe not properly given an example of what that faith should look like. So I, I guess what I would say is because you're going to see examples of what faith looks like, you ultimately have to go and do the research for yourself. You have to find your, yourself in a place of just open to the idea that that what you've heard about church and what you've seen about church isn't necessarily what church is. And what I mean by that is some, some people have grown up in a faith where that's all they've known. And the reality is, is, is that it's, it's turned them off because people are messy. And, and ultimately, I, I, think, I think one of the biggest problems that we see in, in the Christian world is that Jesus is an incredible example of what it's like to love, to, to serve, to, to really lay his life down. And when you see Christians, they don't see that at all. They don't see any of that. What they see is people that are, are self-righteous or maybe finding themselves in a prideful place. I've, I've heard the word hypocritical. So what I would say is, is first going back to that first statement of don't let the, the church or the people in the church dictate what church is really about. I, I think you have to get into God's word. You have to really see what he's asking us to do. And I think the second thing I would say to that point is just remember people's, people's intent is, 
usually trying to be good, but often because we are we are uh, fallible and because we make mistakes and because we have past hurts, we're going to fall short. We're going to fall short often. So don't let people really dictate what your faith-based search would look like. The second thing I would say is, is if, if you're feeling a, a, a hole in your heart, like we talked about a little earlier, the only thing that can fill that hole in your heart is, is Jesus. It's, it's, that's it. There's nothing, there's no amount of money. There's no car. There's no house. There's no experience that you're going to, to find. There's no, no perfect person, no female, no male. There's, there's just nothing that's ever going to do that. And so as you continue to seek and search, you're, the only place you can land is, is faith. And I, and I believe that, that Jesus is the one way to God. And I would say that that's the only thing that can ultimately fulfill your hole in your heart. And I say Jesus is the only way because he's the perfect example of what it looks like to love. He's the perfect example to accept people that other people wouldn't accept. And he's the perfect example of, of being and living a sinless life, but ultimately laying down his life and then three days later being resurrected so that we could ultimately have eternal hope and defeat sin once and for all. With your wisdom and experience, what life advice would you like to leave the audience? Mm. You know, there's, there's so many things I think I could say. There's so many things that I think, you know, there, there's quotes, there's wonderful leadership quotes, there's Bible verses, but I think really just speaking to what I just spoke about, the fact that is we are all in pursuit of something greater. We are all in pursuit of the next, whatever it may be. I, I find myself to be a very uh, adventurous, discontented spirit often. Like I, I want to find what's next. And the only thing that fulfills that is, is, is Jesus. And so what I would say to that is, as you just think about your life and you think about the experiences, one of the things that Jesus modeled so well, and I think we all need to hear this, is we're not going to get to our deathbed and think about the fact that, man, I wish I would have made a, a few more trades and I, I wish I would have bought this stock or I, I wish I would have bought this house. We're going to look back and really get to see our relationships that we had in our lives. And so I think if I had to really say something to people, focus on the relationships and the people that you have in your life. Those people may let you down at times, but there's nothing greater than having a relationship with those individuals. And so love people, uh, care for people, sit with people, be empathetic with people, allow people to really impress on your heart just the awesomeness that that there is when it comes to people there's so many experiences that we have and and we find ourselves probably in a place of like polar opposites it seems like everything in the world right now is polarizing but the reality is every single one of us have something in common and so if we can just start there just start with the commonalities that we have and build we can be more empathetic we can be more understanding we can really understand ultimately what what jesus tried to come and do and that is to help others that's that's the whole point of of him coming is to show us how to serve others i love that and appreciate those words it's not about the material things it's about people relationships love kindness respect disagreeing uh properly <laughs> mm. indeed indeed 
what would your younger or experienced self say to your younger self if you could go back in time? Wow. Uh, buy all the Tesla stock that you can. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no. You, you know, when, when asked that question, I've, I've been asked that question a few times, Dr. Perkins. I think it's really hard to answer because the reality is, is I've been shaped by all the mistakes and all the, the failures and the growth that I've had to get to, to get to this point. And I'm not saying I'm perfection by any means, but what I mean is, is I feel that I've continually grown. I mean, I find myself as a father of, of three kids, uh, just, just in the last few years, growing more and more, stepping into the things that my kids are telling me that I need to work on and really embodying that. And if I didn't make some of those mistakes, I wouldn't be able to hear to, to how, how to grow. And so I, I think I would say the same to myself when I, each, each experience, whether it was going to school and where I went to school or whether it was where I was working, every experience really brought me to this place. So it's really hard for me to say that I would change a whole lot. I think the one thing I would do is, is definitely go back to what I just recently said, and that is just spend more time with the people that you love. Spend more time with the people you love. Be less focused on, on trying to climb the ladder corporately. Really try to help meet the needs of others. And there's, I'll tell you this, there's nothing more fulfilling than serving people because when you serve people and you meet a need, that's, it, it's interesting because that feels like such a selfless act and it is. But really when you go to do something for somebody else, you're not just doing it for them, you're really doing it for yourself. And ultimately you find yourself being served because you went and did something that is extremely fulfilling. And so it's mutually, uh, it's mutually beneficial when you serve other people. What are some final thoughts, uh, advice for our audience? Hmm. You know, we're not, we're not really given a date of our expiration. We don't really know how much time we have on this earth. And it really is, is just the theme of what I've been speaking about. It, we, we just don't know when our time is, but we have to make sure that we seize every single opportunity. And if we just seize the opportunity to help be better in the sense of just being better to people, doing better, making sure that we are ultimately trying to meet the needs of others. The reality is, is there's a time in our lives where a need needed to be met and somebody helped meet that need. And because somebody did it for us, we should do it for them. You know, I, I talked about Jesus coming to, to, to give his life as a ransom. You know, Jesus forgave us so that we could go forgive others. Jesus served us so that we could serve others. And Jesus was a light to this world so that we could be a light to this world. And I think that's, that would be my imparting just just wisdom would be whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, but do it in the way that Jesus did it. He did it ruthlessly. He did it relentlessly. And he did it in a way that it didn't matter who you were, where you were. He just did it for others. And I, and I think that's what I would say. How can people contact uh, CCV Verado if they have questions or want to visit? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to, to get a hold of us is www.ccv.church backslash Verado. You can find us on 
the website there. You can also download our CCV mobile app that's on either the Apple or Android platforms. You can also listen to any of our music. We have our CCV music team, which just released a brand new album called Perspective. It's an incredible album. Perspective is really just the whole premise behind Perspective of giving us new eyes to see the differences in other people and helping us to have a heart like God and did when, when he sent his son Jesus for us. But those are a couple of ways that you can reach us. Thank you so much for your words and your time. I know you're super, super busy. I love the work you're doing there. Thank you for your hard work, you and your team. I really, really enjoy coming to church. Uh, I'm there most Sundays. Uh, I try to get there uh, seven to eight uh, times uh, out of 10 uh, uh, on most Sundays. So I love being there in person and, and, and hearing the word. So thank you so much for your hard work. Uh, audience, if you want more great content, please just, uh, follow me on Spotify. Just go to uh, the Be Better podcast on Spotify. You'll see Dr. Anthony J. Perkins. And if you can click that um, follow button, that would be appreciated. I have all kinds of great content, including this episode right here. Also, you can catch a, a video of all of my podcasts on YouTube. Go to Dr. Anthony J. Perkins on YouTube and hit that subscribe uh, button, please. And that notification bell. So when new content is uploaded, you know when it's there. Thank you to Pastor Aaron Byram for his word. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Perkins. It was an honor. 